Hey, welcome back, everyone, and I hope everyone had a great weekend. Hey, this is Tommy, and I am the host of the Amateur Naturalist Podcast. Hey, I'm very happy to know that you are listening today to this podcast. Hey, it makes me feel great. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, I hope you had just a fantastic holiday season and that you and your family and your friends had a safe and a fun time bringing in the 2023 new year. Hey, I've had some very, very uplifting news this morning as I was looking at the show analytics of my podcast, and I observed that, folks, I am now listened to in over 100 countries and in 1,930 seven cities around the world. Hey, and I looked and the and the podcast is now listened to. Get this, the podcast is now listened to in 49 of our 50 states. All of the states except for North Dakota. Hey, I would love to have a listener download an episode this week in North Dakota. Come on North Dakota, get on board with me. Love to have a North Dakota fan download and listen to an episode. How about that? 49 out of 50 states listening now. Hey, I wanted to give a quick shout out to our newest listeners last week from these countries, Sweden, Mozambique, Cambodia, Belarus is listening in, and Zimbabwe is in the house. Hey, thanks all of you all. Thanks for listening all around the world to my little bitty humble podcast, the Amateur Naturalist Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. So welcome back to the podcast, everybody, and wanted to let you know that this week, the episode number 24, my topic this week is going to be the stunning and elusive red fox. So, you know, right behind our house, I've talked about it before, but right behind our house is a small section of woods. And these woods are surrounded on all sides by miles and miles of subdivisions. So it's a a little difficult for some of these animals like the the deer to get to these woods. They would have to go down some sidewalks for quite a ways, cut through some backyards, you know what I'm talking about, and finally reach these woods. And I am so happy that we've got this uh, somewhat of some diversity right there living right on the other side of my fence. And we'll talk about that in just a minute. In these woods, it, it just really surprises me how often we are seeing white-tailed deer and squirrels and raccoons, groundhogs every day, you know, possums and, and even red foxes. And I guess that I'm more surprised by seeing the white-tailed deer because all of the other animals that I mentioned just now, they're pretty common, right? They're pretty common to see them survive right there in those rural settings. And in settings such as this little small section of woods, around people. Now, deer are getting pretty used to people as well, right? So these deer and these foxes, they're getting used to living in conjunction with us humans in basically our very own 
backyards. And, and we're the example right here. Hey, my wife, my wife and I hear the red foxes communicating with that really sharp, I don't know if you've heard it, but that really sharp bark. It's a really sharp bark. It's not a full bark like a dog, but you can tell the difference. And, and we'll hear that sharp bark that the foxes make, and it'll go back and forth across these woods. It just certain times of the year, like like right now, right now in January and February during the, the mating season. So what I'm talking about this back and forth, you know, if, if I'm sitting there at the back window or I'm in the backyard, I can hear the foxes off to the left. I'll hear one barking and then I'll hear one answer way over here to the right. And then eventually you kind of hear them getting closer and closer together. So kind of cool, right? It's kind of neat. And and one of my neighbors said, hey, are you seeing the foxes? They're, uh, they're walking right up the side of your house. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what we've seen. So, so folks, if you haven't guessed, this week's podcast episode will be about the beautiful, stunning, and elusive red fox. You know, foxes live everywhere. Well, they don't live everywhere, everywhere except Antarctica. They live in the Arctic, but not in Antarctica. It's just too bitterly, bitterly cold up there and, and uh, just not enough food sources there in Antarctica. Foxes, actually, they'll thrive in the country in rural settings and in towns everywhere, just all around us. If we haven't seen them, trust me, they're there. Now, one afternoon, I'll tell you about this, one afternoon, about, uh, I'd say about three, three years ago, I was driving my daughter to her dance class, and we're driving right in the middle of the city, right through an area I always drive through in a subdivision, and we looked over, and right there to the left of the car on the sidewalk, there was a stunning, beautiful, bright red red fox. And and she was just walking very calmly right down the middle of the sidewalk. Like, like, Hey, this is what I do every day. Right. And we just kind of drove a little slower and we drove right beside the red fox for, I would say something like 150 to 200 yards until finally she kind of looked over at the car and she didn't even look scared. She just looked like it was the spot where she was supposed to turn anyway. And she just turned into this area where there was a big nursing home and uh, some other buildings and businesses, and she just walked casually right between a couple of houses to get back into that area. Then, believe it or not, three days later, I picked my daughter up from dance class, and we're driving through the same subdivision, just a street over, and guess what? Of course, we saw a red fox in the same area, just one street over, and she was walking right down the sidewalk again. Then last summer, my wife and I were out walking our, our little small multi-she dogs, uh, half Maltese and half Maltese and half Shizu. And we're walking our two little male dogs, and we're about uh, two streets away from our house, about a quarter mile away, and all of a sudden, Right there in broad daylight in the evening, another beautiful red fox walked slowly right across the street. And I mean, probably, I don't know, 40, 50 yards in front of us. 
Now, there's no doubt she knew we were there, but she walked right across the sidewalk, across the street, across the other sidewalk, turned around, and sat right down in someone's front yard. And then as we walked by, she just kind of watched us walk by the by that house now i don't know i don't know how to what to deduce from this it might have been she might have been staring at our small dogs you know maybe that was a potential food source for her but really my dogs aren't that much smaller than the red fox so who knows i'm not for sure what happened there but in it was pretty incredible experience now my point to these stories is this despite red foxes living all around us most of the time The foxes are a bit of a mystery to us, right? I hear them fairly often right there behind my house, but I rarely ever see them. So last week I had a a really large listenership on, on last week's episode. And if you remember, in last week's episode, I talked about biological classification. And I specifically mentioned a few times the family Canidae. And if you remember the Canidae family, you remember that the family Canidae are the dog-like animals. And this Canidae family includes our domestic dogs and our coyotes, our wolves, jackals, and of course, the foxes, including today's red fox. Now, of course, speaking of biological classification, let's talk about the foxes, specifically today, the red fox. So here's the biological classification. They're in the kingdom Animalia. And they're in the phylum Chordata. They're in the class Mammalia, because of course they're mammals. They're in the order Carnivora. They're in the family, here we go, Canidae. They're in the genus. Here's a little different one we haven't talked about. They're in the genus Vulpes. And their species for the red fox is Vulpes Vulpes. If you remember back to last week, we talked about Linnaeus quite a bit, and he was the scientist or the botanist that described the red fox, and he gave it its binomial name of Volpes Volpes, and he did that back in the year 1758. The red fox distinguishes itself from the other foxes because of its larger body size and because it has the ability to adapt very quickly to new environments everywhere. Even though its name of red fox gives us a really big hint of its typical beautiful red hair color, this species does produce some very pale colored or white colored foxes and on the other side of that some really solid black furred melanistic foxes they're really beautiful black or solid white red and these are red foxes too so where many of us live we have the red fox and we have the gray fox and and the red foxes have long noses and obviously red fur across their beautiful faces red along their back and their sides, and even on their tail. They have these beautiful, puffy red tails. Now, they usually have these beautiful black socks, 
really black socks running up each leg. We might call them socks. We, we might even call them leggings. But it's on each of their four legs usually. Now, when you look closely at the end of their tail, you're going to see it almost always on a red fox has a white-tipped furry tail at the very, very end, maybe the last, let's say, uh, five inches. The red foxes also have white on their belly. Sometimes it's a little grayish white, but most of the time it's pretty bright white. They have white on their chin, and they have these beautiful white chest areas that stand out. Now, the red foxes have ears that stand up, kind of like a German shepherd's ears, right, or a coyote's ears. The red foxes have these ears that stand up, and they have black tips that kind of go around the top edges of their ears. Now, when they are trotting across a big old field or a, a patch of woods, you're going to see them carry their tail almost straight out. One of the foxes behind our house has almost solid black front legs from the top to the right past the elbow area, and then all the way down to its feet. Very long. That's on the front legs. All the way up the entire length of the leg, it's solid black. Really, really pretty. Today, there are currently 45, 45 total subspecies of this species. So the Volpes, Volpes species, 45 total subspecies. Most of the time, red foxes are found in a group of just two foxes. And, and of course, that's basically a mating pair or, or, or sometimes in a small family group of the parents and their young. Now, when you think of the red fox, what's the first prey animal that you think of that they, the foxes, actually eat. Now, I think most of us know that they really, really love to eat mice and, and vole-sized mammals. In fact, red foxes help to control these populations of their prey animals, such as voles and rabbits and especially mice. And, and, and you know, just like the uh, bats really have a great controlling operation on the uh, insect population, these foxes really do keep the uh, voles and the rabbits and especially the mice populations under control. They help us with that a lot. Now, red foxes are also good for the environment in another reason, and that reason involves something you might not have thought about. They also disperse seeds because they will eat all types of different types of fruits, such as persimmons and uh, apples and pawpaw fruits found out there in the woods. So any types of fruits that they can find, almost always they'll eat those. And of course, as they uh, use the restroom throughout the woods somewhere, they're dropping those seeds off all over the place, right? So they're propagating more and more persimmons and pawpaws and things like that. Now, there was a story I read where there was an area where foxes had been absolutely decimated and they were just killed off by hunting and the actual rodent population just exploded, causing havoc on all these farmers' crops so badly that these farmers got together and they purchased and brought in 
a new population of foxes. And they did that to bring in a new population of foxes just to get some control back on the rodents, such as mice and rats that were just destroying their crops. So most farmers that are really, really in the know, and, and most of them are, of course, they truly understand why they should not kill the foxes since these foxes are great at keeping farm pests at a lower population level. Now, red foxes, remember, they're predators, so they're going to eat things like rabbits, mice, um, squirrels, gray squirrels, red fox squirrels, chipmunks, and they'll also eat voles, right? Now, foxes will also eat birds of all types. They will kind of lay in ambush sometimes around some brush or some bushes, and as a bird lands, you know, They'll get a bird, and they'll they'll grab an occasional amphibian such as salamanders and frogs, and but they will also eat lots of fruit that they find throughout the woods and and along the edges of woods, like we just talked about. But it is well known that foxes will grab an easy to get barnyard chicken, or even eat your outdoor cat's food or even your dog's food, right? They'll just kind of sneak up on your back porch if you've got a backyard dog. They may even eat your outdoor cat. So yeah, they are, uh, a lot of folks see them a little bit of a pest themselves because of some of the things I just mentioned. Now they have a great, an absolutely great ability to find food in just any month of the year. They are fantastic hunters all year long, but they really do a super good job in the winter when a lot of animals are struggling. And this is the primary reason that foxes are known for a reputation for being very smart and very cunning predators. Now, I have watched foxes out hunting, and as they cruise along a long brush pile or along a big old field or a set of woods, it's amazing to watch them. They they seem to sniff the ground like a beagle dog as they search back and forth looking for prey. Now, I bet everyone on today's podcast has seen those documentaries, or they've seen it in person, as foxes are out there hunting in you know deeper snow like a foot of snow or two or three feet of snow and it's it's something to watch they have this incredible incredible sense of hearing and they can hear the mice traveling underneath that deep snow from several feet away and then as they turn their head back and forth trying to nail down that exact location of that prey animal such as a mouse they will all of a sudden take that huge leap up in the air and dive nose first straight into the snow to grab that mouse or that vole. If you watch them closely, they're kind of standing on all four legs. They'll tilt their head back and forth a few times, kind of maybe even kind of triangulating where that sound is coming from. And then they'll take about one step forward and then a huge leap in the air. It's something to watch. It's sometimes a little comical. They may stick head first in the snow and their tail sticking out of the snow if it's deep enough. Now, more times than not, they, they're going to miss the prey a few times and, and have to try it again and again to grab a food source, but they are remarkably successful at this method of feeding and hunting during the winter and deeper snow conditions, where a lot of animals, uh, you know, they have a hard time at this that time of year. Foxes really are truly most active at first daylight at dawn or even at dusk, but 
I know I have seen them in the middle of the day out moving around. And I just told you about the foxes that I saw in the middle of the day in bright sunshine. But uh, they're pretty fast, pretty fast predators. If you've ever seen one running, you can't believe what you're seeing. They are able to run at a top speed of around 30, 35, and sometimes they've been clocked at 40 miles per hour, which is quite incredible for those small-type mammals. Now, these red foxes can be found ranging all across the United States from Florida all the way up to Alaska through Canada and and, uh, up to Alaska past Canada. And out in the southwest, actually, there's a relatively small population of red foxes, and it's kind of rare sometimes to even see a red fox out in that area. But red foxes live in most rural areas and subdivisions in the United States. And red foxes live in all kinds of environments like woodlands and and they live in open areas and in and around woods. They also live in wetlands and in in grown up brushy and grown up fields. So it's uh, pretty neat to see red foxes. They, They live just about everywhere. We see, you know, you see quite a few of them in Kentucky that have been hit by cars on the roads, unfortunately. So let's discuss the mating habits of the red fox. And I've got a long section here. It's There's a lot of interesting facts here. Most all of these foxes mate for life. And and I've heard that most male foxes will be found in the, the den with their mate, but occasionally a male will be in a den with more than one female and this male fox actually will mate with all of the females that are in that den so i don't know what the number is let's say it's three or four he's going to mate with them each and every one of them as they come into estrus now in many cases these red foxes will mate for their entire life and they will live totally monogamous now if a vixen fox dies it's thought that a large percentage of their male mates will live the remainder of their entire lives single and totally alone. Isn't that amazing? But on the other hand, if the male, or what we call the dog fox, if he dies, the vixen will probably find another mate and keep producing litters of cubs. And that's kind of a a little catch-all that uh, nature's kind of set up for them that you know, the females continue to reproduce. Another unique feature with red foxes is that sometimes a female kit, or we might call them a cub, a female cub or a kit, will stick around and then help take care of the new litters, kind of like a nanny. Now, sometime around October, sometime around October, these foxes will start to get a bit on the really wild side. You kind of see that with white-tailed deer as well, right, as the hormones are kicking in. But same thing happens with the foxes. They really start to get pretty wild during the mating season as it approaches. And they will really start to be much more vocal across the fields and the woods. And that's when we really hear them ramping up back behind our house. We'll hear them in the, in the fall. We'll hear them in the kind of the late December, and then we really start to hear them in January and February. They will be more aggressive towards each other, and they begin getting a kind of a thicker and a much more smellier scent being produced from their now very, very active scent glands. Now, these behaviors and the scent process completely goes away most of the time, especially the scent gland part. 
after the mating season is over. Now, there's certain times during the winter months that we will hear the foxes back in the woods behind our house almost every single night. Now, red foxes, they breed only once per year, and most of the breeding occurs every year between the months of January and February. So it's it's happening right now, folks, right as we speak, right? Most fox species, they're going to breed during the winter months, and then they're going to have those little cute baby kits or cubs in the springtime months. And in the winter months, you're going to hear these foxes making really sharp, sharp sounding barking noises or sometimes these really loud screeching, almost like hollering noises. They're almost scary sounding when you hear those. Uh, I've heard people say it kind of sounds like maybe a woman way back in the woods screaming sometimes. These are the mating calls that we are usually hearing in those months of January and February. Now, the fox mating is strictly for just having cubs. It's not for fun. The fox mating is strictly for just having cubs because of the evidence that the male foxes only produce sperm during the actual mating season. And in very similar fashion, the females only go into their estrus period or their estrus cycle for just one single lone week or so. So, of course, this is a process driven completely by their hormones, making them ready to breed. Now, these red foxes, they will become sexually mature before they even turn one year old, and they actually start breeding at one year old. Now, when the foxes actually do breed, now you've probably seen this before with dogs, but they actually get locked together for sometimes up to an hour and at this point they are really quite vulnerable to predators such as big big dog like animals like coyotes or or wolves now biologists think that when they are locked together that they are quite uncomfortable and you will hear some really really loud screams that sound very stressful and very very unpleasant to listen to from these foxes and i've heard this sound back in the woods before and it is it's it's quite haunting and a little bit disturbing to hear foxes screaming like that now lately we are starting to hear the uh courting barking sounds going on behind our house the last few cold January nights and and the male fox is called the dog and the female fox is called the vixen you probably have heard that before and this time of year you're going to start seeing the male and the females traveling a lot more together and uh, the vixen foxes start to find a nice place a nice little secluded suitable den or a hole in a in a rocky area or even under a human built shed or you know like a big pile of junk big old piece of metal junk out there and a big pile of stuff that they can get up under and hide now they'll even dig a hole for example i've seen this before they will dig a big hole for a den under like a big tree trunk right under there at the root area and it makes them a really nice secluded safe spot this is what we're going to call the nursery den and the nursery den will be for when she has just the baby cubs or the kits and they won't stay in it much much longer past that so you might ask How many kits do they have each year, right? So red foxes give birth uh, anywhere between a really low number, like two, and then a really high number, like 10. So somewhere between two and 10 cubs. Or even sometimes 
There's been recorded 12 kits or cubs per litter, but just once per year. But on average, it's not that many. They have about four or five kits or cubs per litter. So, have you ever thought just how cool would it be to have a cross between a domestic dog and a wild fox? Wouldn't that be cool? Not really, right? How super cute would that cross be? Well, those would be some pretty cool puppies, I agree, but it just doesn't work really good in nature for foxes. Foxes cannot mate most of the time with our domesticated canines, or for that matter, any wild canines at all. Foxes just have a totally different number of chromosomes as other canines, and it it would be just impossible, just totally impossible to actually cross a dog and a fox and then actually produce any offspring. Now, as I say that, I said all of that information there. I do have to throw an exception in there. There are instances where red foxes in the very far north have made it with Arctic foxes. So a red fox crossing over with an Arctic fox. So what happens then, right? As an outcome of a red fox and an Arctic fox mating. Now, if they do actually produce offspring, the offspring is just totally going to be sterile and, and not able to reproduce at all. Now, remember that I said that the male foxes start to get very, very aggressive at the mating season. They're going to get over-the-top aggressive just before and during the mating season. And the males, they will literally fight so incredibly aggressively that they come across each other or they come across a female in estrus and, and they could fight to the death. It seems that every year we hear the foxes barking back and forth with their mating calls, like I said, in January. And I just I always just love to sit there and listen and just imagine where they are in the woods back there and how many live back there behind our house and, and what are they doing right now and what are they eating. And it's kind of cool. I've never gone back to look for their, their where their dens are or anything like that. I have a pretty sneaky suspicion, but I'm going to leave them alone, right? I've rarely ever seen the foxes behind our house, but I have seen them trotting through the neighborhood like we talked about before. So what I think I'm going to do, I think I'm going to go, I've got a few of these uh, outdoor cameras, and I think I'm going to put up a couple of cameras back in the woods behind the house just to take a look and see the wildlife, including the white-tailed deer and those red foxes and whatever else I could possibly see. All right, after the mating occurs, the red foxes have about a 50 to 55-day total gestation period. That that's lasts up till about March or April every single year. And, and one year, this was pretty cool, one year I was a camp counselor at a 4-H camp for my oldest daughter. And then again, three years later, I was a 4-H camp counselor for my youngest daughter. And I absolutely loved that 4-H camp experience. I got to be a teacher and taught fishing and taught a nature class. It was pretty cool. Now, I want to tell you about this basketball court. There was a basketball court right there at the April 4-H camp. And right behind the basketball court, right behind the chain-length fence, you know, I spotted this big dirt mound with a big hole, you know, so I knew an animal lived there, of course. But after a while of sitting there, and I just kind of went back there and sat in that area. And after a while, we started seeing the mother red fox. She popped up out of the hole. And then 
here comes her cubs. And the little bitty cubs would come up to the top and they would lay up in that dirt and just sun themselves right at the top of the mound, which of course ended up being their den. Now they were must have been pretty used to being around people because the guys were playing basketball right there on the other side of that fence. Now these nursery dens are usually just used for raising the babies and not as much for sleeping in later months. So that pretty much gets abandoned later on. Now when these little cubs are born, they're totally, totally blind and they have the absolutely cutest little round faces and little bitty tiny short ears. Their ears don't stick way, way up in the air. And at this early part of their life, they're not red. They're not red like a red fox in color. They're not like their older parents. Their brand new fur is kind of the color of like milk chocolate, kind of a brown fur. And for the first two or three weeks of the kids' lives, the vixen will stay with the cubs and the male fox or the the dog fox, he will go out and do all of the hunting for the, the male and the female for their own food. And he brings the vixen her food and she will nurse the cubs milk just to keep them fed, right? So he's feeding her as she's staying behind to feed the cubs their milk. Now, after about a full month or slightly longer than a full month, the cubs fur, it starts to change from that chocolate brown to that uh, characteristic reddish red fox colored fur. Now, as these cute little cubs get older over the next month or so, they begin to fight a lot. And sadly, this is a sad story, kind of got to me, right? Sadly, some of their fights are even exceedingly vicious fights. And there's been cases where one of the cubs ends up, oh, you're not going to like this. One of the cubs ends up killing another cub in these fights and that kind of gets them ready for the real world but they take it just a little far sometimes as they're fighting i'm sure that you've heard how animals establish a pecking order and these fights are helping them get that pecking order it's helping them determine the pecking order or the dominance of these cubs to one another it established what we might call their social position now i hate to bring up even more bad news about the foxes but in the late fall the young foxes start to try and they leave their homes right yeah you probably know where this is going but some of the little foxes will stay home longer but many they want to get out there and they want to see what the world's all about so they they try to get out and they and get about out on their own and as they try to establish their own territories they start crossing many roads and several get killed by coyotes and cars or even domestic dogs as they start to travel further and further from their actual dens and their homes. Now in a hard winter, in a really hard winter when food is tight, they might unfortunately starve to death since this is actually their first winter out there on their own and they and they just left their parents back in October or November. So it's a difficult time of the year and it's a very sad, sad statistic to think about. But over 50% of all of these young red foxes, they actually die in their first year. 50%. And they, they just don't live a very long life on average anyway, as we find out that about 80% of the foxes die before they're even three years old. Now, most of the vixens only get a chance to mate a couple of times in their entire life, while the dog fox or the male fox, they only typically mate once in their short little lifetime.
All right. How about a little cool nugget of information about red foxes? You know, I always thought it was pretty cool and an interesting fact, but did you know that the that the fox is the only member of the canine family or the dog family that has retractable claws like our cats do? Now, red foxes have what we call partially uh, retractable claws, and then the Gray foxes have fully retractable claws. That's pretty cool, right? Really cat-like. And they are kind of cat-like in other ways or two, including that they have vertical pupils, just like cats do. And they also hunt, just like cats, by stalking and by pouncing on their prey. And I'm sure you've seen a cat actually play with cat toys. And this is what they do in the wild, except that they play with their prey, such as birds and mice. So we've all seen domesticated cats play with their food. That's exactly what these foxes do. A lot of times they might catch a mouse and then kind of play with it for a while, right? Mm, kind of sad. But it it's just wildlife. That's what they do. Well, obviously... We know that red foxes are predators, but what type of animals or predators will eat a red fox? Now, this would be several types of predators, right? Such as bears or certain reptiles, even like very, very large snakes, like the ones down in the Everglades. They'll they'll grab a fox. Uh, mountain lions, of course, will eat foxes and eagles. Eagles, it turns out, are a major threat as they fly and look down and grab a, a you know a small red fox. And even some of the large hawks or the owls, they're going to try and capture and eat a, a eat a red fox. Wolves, wolves, of course, will eat them. Coyotes, lynxes, and even a large bobcat will eat our foxes. Now we don't want to leave out, of course, us humans are the biggest predator because we're trapping and shooting red foxes for fur or because they are considered a pest by some. Now remember, if you're out there and you're farming and you're raising chickens and you got something that's eating your chickens, you're probably going to want to get rid of that fox, right? So it's sad, but it's it's a it's kind of a part of life, unfortunately. You know, maybe a better fence, I'm not for sure, but you know, eventually you determine I'm going to have to probably get rid of that that fox. So, as I near the end of today's podcast, are you ready to just totally be wowed? All right, before I end today's podcast, I want to give you some really, really fascinating tidbits tidbits about these clever and beautiful red foxes. Now, foxes, as you know, are very athletic animals, and they're very playful, and they're very super intriguing, fascinating animals. I just love these little guys, right? Their first wow factor items will just take you completely by surprise. Wait to hear this. Did you know, did you know that foxes can really see or sense the magnetic field of the earth? Did you know that? There are other animals such as ants and turtles and many birds and even sharks that can sense the earth's magnetic field to travel but I believe that foxes are the only animals on earth that can use it to actually hunt their prey. Now, foxes use the earth's magnetic field as some kind of range finder as they pounce on their prey 
especially while they're out pouncing in the snow-covered fields. Now, we didn't discuss the gray fox today. We didn't talk about the gray fox, but did you know that gray foxes are the only fox that can actually climb trees? Now, even though I say that, occasionally there people have seen red foxes up in a tree, and a lot of folks think it's maybe because a limb is at a you know, a 45 degree angle or something, but there has been red foxes up. Gray foxes have a remarkable ability to be able to climb the trees. And it goes back to what we talked about before. And that's those retractable cat-like claws. Now, I'm probably going to cover gray foxes at some point later this year in one of our other podcasts. And, and hopefully that'll be a good one too, right? Now, we all know Most dog species like wolves and wild dogs and coyotes and jackals, they all live in packs. Even my two little white dogs out there on the couch right now, they kind of are pack-like, right? They hang out together all day long, but not the red fox. These foxes are basically solitary animals most of their lives, especially or, you know, with the exception, of course, of the mating season. Now, they do live in small family groups for part of the year, but most of the time they're out there living and hunting totally alone. Now, I mentioned it earlier, Foxes are the only member of the canine family that are a lot like cats. Remember what I said, foxes have those cat-like retractable claws. Red foxes have partially retractable claws. Gray foxes around here have totally retractable claws. They have vertical cat-like pupils, and they hunt just like cats a lot of the time by stalking and pouncing. And of course, we talked about it, playing with their prey, playing with their food. Baby foxes are born completely blind, typically go about a week, a little over a week before they can actually even open their eyes and and see anything. Foxes also have the habit of grinning. You ever seen that? A fox actually grinning? It's not the same grin that you and I do, though. Of course, we humans will grin when we're typically happy, right? But foxes, on the other hand, grin when they are afraid of something. They will lower themselves close to the ground, and they're going to tuck their tail in or lower their tails. Remember, their tail is kind of usually sticking kind of out. And then they kind of even grin when they are afraid or kind of showing submission. Okay, foxes like to do something else that we see our dogs do. They like to cache their food like most dogs. Now, when I say the word cache, most of you know what I'm talking about, but I'll just, it's not the cash, that green paper money in your pocket. It's cash, C-A-C-H-E. And that's when they're digging a little small hole, a little small shallow hole back in the ground, and then they bury their food for later. That's what we're talking about, caching their food. Now, in wrapping up today's podcast, we know the Red Fox has many adaptations, including its awesome ability to totally, and I mean totally, adapt to many areas of the world. These red foxes, folks, they live almost everywhere on various, many, many various continents. They live in forest and woodlots and hot, hot deserts and beautiful grasslands and and even in our cities. Now, they even live in the Arctic. But what's the one place they don't live? 
the Antarctica, right? They don't live in Antarctica. Well, I hope that you enjoyed this podcast on our stunning and our elusive red fox, and I will catch back up with you in another week on the Amateur Naturalist Podcast. All right, good night, everyone, and thank you again for listening to the Amateur Naturalist Podcast. Hey, everyone, Tommy Fowler here. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? I know I did, and I wasn't for sure exactly how to make a podcast or how to market it. And that is where Buzzsprout came in. Maybe you want a new fun hobby, or you just want to have a new side hustle to make a little bit of money. So far, it's been a super fun hobby to me. Personally, I did a lot of research looking for a podcast host site, and Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch promote, and even track the success of your own podcast. Hey guys, I only started in mid-August 2022 and already I am listened to in over 100 countries around the world. I am currently listened to on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and 18 other popular podcast sites. Now that is what Buzzsprout can help you do as well. Hey, you can start your own podcast with just a smartphone, your earphones, and your stories. You don't need a bunch of fancy equipment to start off. Hey, folks, let me get you started. Go to my podcast show notes. You're going to see my podcast website link and maybe one or two advertiser links. Look for the Buzzsprout link. Now, click on that link to go to Buzzsprout, and you are going to get a $20 credit if you sign up today for a paid plan. Plus, it helps me out to keep my podcast on the air, and I might be able to finally update some equipment. By joining today through the link down in my show notes, you're going to get a great looking podcast website, awesome audio players that you can drop in other websites, and fantastic analytics to see just how you are performing worldwide. Join today over a 100,000 podcasters and myself already using Buzzsprout and get your awesome message out to the world. Hey, don't forget, it's totally free to start off with Buzzsprout in the beginning, and it does not cost much to join their first paid plan. And if you join today and you sign up for an inexpensive paid plan by clicking on the link inside of my show notes, you're going to get $20 off and you'll help me out a little bit at the Amateur Naturalist Podcast. Thanks, folks. 